Today on The Digital Week, we explore how to create the innovation nation. We travel around the world looking at what practices and policies are working in the globally significant governments that are really pushing the innovation boundaries. And then we look at how is Australia going to use our unique talents and assets to pivot our economy to the innovation and compete globally. I share with you my top 10 advice to the new PM around innovation. And of course, we do our usual segment on what are these innovation jobs in the innovation of government going to look like. But importantly, I want to hear from you. How do you think we should pivot to innovation? What does Innovation Nation look like to you around the world? Send us your comments, tweet us, email us, contact us through the site, the PwC Chair in the Digital Economy. Look forward to hearing from you. Digital Week. I'm Monica Bradley, here today with my friend Michael Roseman. Monica, lovely to see you, and we are glad that also Marek Kovalkiewicz joins us today. Hi. What Hello. a huge week it has been this week, gentlemen, in, um, you know, in just the mindset of our government and our place in Australia has changed, yes? Yes, mindset and the people that are running the show. So we've got a new Prime Minister, which is hopefully exciting for all of us. Oh yes, oh yes. What we're seeing is uh, Malcolm Turnbull is already uh, using the language of the startups when he talks about policies, which is very, very exciting for the particular audience. Yeah, we're hearing agile, we're hearing innovation, those words that have been, you know, we hadn't heard so much of in uh, previous regimes. But let's talk about, you know, how do we pivot the nation? The a nation to innovation. You know, Marek, you've spent a lot of time around the world. You're recently back from Silicon Valley. Tell us a little bit about what you know about what's working well at a government level internationally. Uh, what I saw in the United States, which I think is very special, is that President Obama is supporting the community of makers, people who focus on creativity, who build new things. He actually runs events at the White House, inviting kids, inviting older makers as well, and having them present what they do to, to the policymakers, to the members of, of the government, which I believe is a fantastic opportunity, and it shows how much value the government, the president in USC uh, in this particular space. We see a lot of investment from universities, universities inviting young kids who are often more creative than, uh, than the professors working for the universities to, to get inspired. And uh, there are also, of course, European stories. So there's a German story run by, by a scientist, Dr. Merkel. Uh, who puts a lot of commitment behind the digital narrative, who picks a city like Berlin and tries to make it the capital for entrepreneurship, uh, but also much smaller places. Look into Estonia, Estonia, just 1.6 million people, um, the, the birthplace of Skype, and the place that now um, created one of the most impressive um, digital identities. And, and there's a place even smaller than Estonia, which is Singapore. And we see Singapore having an ambition of becoming the Switzerland of data, uh, really building infrastructure for data storage, having analysts going through the data. The ambition of, uh, of playing a huge role in digital economy, we can see it across the whole world. And this, I think, is the opportunity for Australia. So what we see in the digital, unlike in the physical economy, is you don't have to be big to be a global player. Australia might be small by, by global scale. We never have enough people who can buy a fridge or a car to make it interesting for large manufacturers. But in the digital economy, we are the perfect testbed for digital experimentation. 
So, Monica, you've been now uh, all over the news and uh, shared 10 ideas for, for where the Prime Minister should take the country. Can you share some of those with us here? Well, never to be backward in coming forward with my advice on my top 10 tips for innovation for uh, the emerging government. I won't share all of them. Some of my highlights were, you know, replacing a Medicare card with an, a, an innovation app or an innovation card. Every Australian is either issued or can, can join the program. People earn rewards by doing innovation activities in the economy. And through those reward programs are then granted um, seed funding, participation in programs, perhaps there's some education. You know, a great way, the government is the largest often procurer of services in a number of verticals. So certainly opening up a minimum of 25% of all government procurement to open innovation policies. Immediately, we start to get innovation in the government procurement end. And then we can look to things like every public building that the government owns creates an innovation lab in its premises. This is about creating the visibility of the innovation economy to people. And as the government agencies are located across the country, it also gives a great national uplift in that area. You know, there's also a whole bunch of regulatory things around incentivation of, you know, do we have a whole new class of business instead of a proprietary limited or a listed company? Do we have a SUC, you know, a startup company? And maybe a startup company gets two or three years before they have to come under certain regulations. They're, they're easy to start, they're easy to stop, you know, they're easy to move around. And maybe there's some different rules on how taxation might apply to that. But it's really about how How do we now use this collective that is the national purchasing power and pivot Australia to the innovation economy? It's an amazing thought. I like the idea of giving um, startup companies a different uh, regulatory um, environment. Uh, Mark, have you seen scenarios like this in Silicon Valley where you spent your last years? Uh, of course, of course, there's a lot of programs and, and there's a lot of initiatives uh, where uh, the governments, the local governments, the state governments and federal governments are trying to uh, to make it easier for startups, uh, especially in the first couple of years. This is uh, this is uh, what is uh, fairly obvious for everyone in Silicon Valley that they get that type of support. I've seen exactly the same thing in Singapore as well, where there are programs where the government is pumping money into startups. So the government becoming one of the investors in the startups. So, so you yeah. say the government becoming like a sort of venture capitalist? Absolutely, especially in the in the first rounds the of seed. the funding. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. so in the seed funding rounds, you get, you know, 100k from the government just to get started. Absolutely. We, we are used to seed funding. Is there a different story when the government thinks about itself as really a venture capitalist? What's the difference between a classical seed funding where you fill out a form and you get some money versus me being a venture capitalist? Well, so first of all, do we have people in government capable of making those choices on our behalf with our public monies? I mean, I think perhaps another option that might be a better option for Australia is how do we open up and incentivize our superannuation benefits? You know, we have mm. one of the largest unlocked funds of capital in the world sitting in superannuation in Australia. Mm. It's part of our national heritage because every Australian holds it. So how do we now incentivate some of those in a um, in a light touch way so that, you know, within their risk propensity, we are encouraging some particularly in the seed stage. You know, Australia's quite good in the in the in the early and then the bigger scale stage. They're very the seed investment stage is quite tough. Absolutely. Uh, look, uh, so What I see here is that we could definitely gamify the whole experience. How about we give uh, those who invest uh, in, in, in superannuation funds, and like you said, all of us do, how do we give all of us an incentive to be more proactive? Right, right now, most of Australians, they just 
uh, allow the money to flow into the superannuation funds and then just wait what happens after 10 or 20 years, how do we get all of the Australians to be more entrepreneurial about the investments? And there's a lot that can be done, especially given the digital technologies that we have. Yeah. So there's, there's no shortage of ideas, but it might be that we don't have at the moment the right uh, jobs defined, the right job descriptions for the government of the future. So, so maybe all of us, we can share some ideas. Monica, if you don't mind starting, what sort of roles, what sort of positions, what sort of job titles do you see emerging in a, in a government that is really dedicated to the digital economy? Oh, my favourite would be the pop-up policy officer. A pop-up policy officer, what's that? Well, you know, like a pop-up store. It's about policy in the future, you know, this whole idea that we can set up policy and it might live in perpetuity and be very good. Mm. You know, we're in times of disruption, things are changing constantly. We need to listen to those senses. So the idea that policy could be something that you set today and forget for the next three years is kind of gone. So pop-up would be, what's appropriate today? Let's pop up that policy, let's see what the data says, let's see how the experiment goes, and then let's make an adjustment. And if that pop-up you know, is, has good evidence and is working well, it might be extended. Mm. So that, I think it's a very important point that we have seen the acceleration of, of technology um, uh, that is emerging to become a commercial good, but we haven't seen the same acceleration of policy development. So the policy uh, development process has to, has to be accelerated. So I like this idea a lot. What about you, Marek? What sort of job could you imagine? I suggest Minister for Digital Industries. And uh, what I see here is that the digital industries, they, they, they have some very specific features that make them very different from traditional industries. Businesses in this space, uh, they often offer products and services completely free of charge. A minister like that would need to understand how does it translate, for instance, to the GDP of the whole economy, right? With the current way that we measure the GDP, it looks like they produce nothing, right? There's no impact. But the minister would need to understand that the value is there, and the minister would then help everyone in those digital industries really grow. So we have this kind of peak position, the minister, and I think this minister needs to be surrounded by a lot of advisors, and not just this minister, um, all decision makers within the government. So I, I'm of the strong belief that we have more and more digital advisors. Uh, I think, uh, what about crowdsourcing of policy responses too, like the Tinder for government? Mm. You know, has my policy, swipe right if you like it, swipe left if you don't, we get an instantaneous feedback on where the government, where people sit. Exactly, and this is what I mean. So this requires a digital advisor, so someone who can say, how do I do at the moment a, a referendum? How do I do real-time referendums? Um, and what do I do in terms of engagement, uh, privacy, security? So I think we'll see more and more digital experiments within the government, and that requires on-the-ground, uh, easy-to-access digital advisors. Yeah, what about, I mean, I think also laying the test bed on top of this. You know, profoundly, we've seen a change this week, I guess, at the federal level. But, you know, the mindset of Australia needs to pivot towards innovation. So clearly we need, you know, some mandatory and some things that we're going to do on scale. That would definitely include the education and upskilling of people around entrepreneurship and innovation. You know, every student, no student graduates from university without having done a startup. Preferably that startup is done with an international student so that we're getting our Asia Pacific and our internationalization. You know, tell us a little bit more about what you see in that, you know, mindset. Oh, on, on this one, I can see how the Naplan test of the future includes more on, on digital or entrepreneurial literacy. Uh, I mean, not just for, for people who are in the curriculum and the education systems, but far beyond. And I can see uh, the need to, to measure, for example, the, the digital literacy of a country uh, and to make the digital literacy and the progression of the digital literacy of the country uh, an annual 
target uh, and an item of, of the narrative of the government for the future. Absolutely, and while understanding of it is very important, it's also the shaping of digital literacy that comes after. So ideas like fab labs in every in every location of a government, uh, every library, courses, digital uh, literacy courses happening at libraries uh, across Australia, absolutely important. And Merrick, one that would be close to your heart is, you know, is another language that every Australian will speak is code. Absolutely. Not Polish. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so so to round up today, how are we going to engage the audience? You know, I would challenge people, what's your top 10 tips on innovation um, that we can give to public policymakers in Australia but around the world? And if you've got something that you're hearing out there of a great example, bring it in. Let's hothouse this idea. This is crowdsourcing of the future. I love the idea. We are looking forward to, to hear from you and would love to make the top 10, the top 25 or the top 100. Yeah. Follow our uh, site at the PwC Chair in the Digital Economy and watch the argument. How are we going there, Marek? Enjoying your first week? Absolutely. It's been a wild ride, but loving it. As, uh, it's a great time. Yes. We're on silicon speed here. Oh, yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us today, Marek Kowalkowicz, Ma- uh, Michael Roseman, and I'm Monica Bradley. See you next time. See you next Thank week, you. Monica.